What would life look like if our good intentions were inspired enough, empowered enough, and challenged enough so that all those dreams became real, tangible good in the world? On Practice Good Podcast, you will find authentic stories, challenging conversations, and real responses that will inspire, empower, and challenge your social impact journey. But this isn't all. Good business and good programs and good social enterprise are only as good as the health of their leader. And on this podcast, we will pay special attention, not only to the good that we give to the world, but to the good that we live within ourselves, our soul care. Welcome to Practice Good, a podcast for changemakers. I'm your host, Shiloh Kashima, practitioner of good, pastor, and mom of two spicy Nigerian littles. Get ready as we turn your good intentions into positive change. Welcome back to Practice Good Podcast. This is Shiloh, your host, and I am excited about today's topic. Today, we're talking about mindset reset, having our minds reset. And isn't it a perfect time in our history to talk about just that? I know for me, this has been a concept that has literally changed my life within the last two weeks. I was recently in a leadership transformational program And it took me within a seven-day period of time to a completely new mindset. I know before I took this program, I was overwhelmed by really a lot of different emotions, anger, frustration, anxiety, life in general, stress, all these things were filling me in a way to where I kind of felt like I was beginning to walk around with just this friendship with sadness. You know what I mean? Like I'm not depressed enough to need medicine and I'm not hopeless, but I I kind of made friends with sadness and grief and heartache and I just kind of expected it. And when I went into friendships and relationships and when I went into um, new situations, I was more closed off. I would go into them with 100% of me and slowly drop to 80%, 60%, and 40%. It It was as if I felt there were wolves everywhere, like 14 foot wolves that I could not Um, navigate around. And I was this little tiny human just dodging and turning and trying to spin and move out of their way and really taking my two inch high sheep and trying to run and find escape. And uh, what happened for me during this leadership transformational experience is that I began to shift the chemicals in my brain to see differently, not to ignore what I was previously feeling or the things that were happening in the world, but to realize that the way I was allowing them to own me was essentially allowing them to win. My focus on them, my focus on the obstacles, my focus on the negative, my focus on the things that are extremely real and true today, we're giving them more power. And what does it help if I show up to a situation or a person that is as bad as I think they are or it is, and I show up 20%? 
it does not help the world. It does not help the people that follow me. It does not help the situation. And it sure enough doesn't help the evil that I'm looking right at. So as change makers, as nonprofit leaders, as change leaders, as social entrepreneurs, as good business leaders, as aspiring entrepreneurs who want to bring good into the world, We have to be specifically strategic about how we are allowing the things of this world and the things we are experiencing to take root in our lives, in our minds, in our brain, and in our bodies. Because the more we allow them to take up space and make room and make a home in us, the less effective we are in the long run and for those who follow us. So today we're talking about mindset reset, something that needs to happen definitely in myself and I'm sure in the rest of you. I want to bring to mind some scriptures, some Bible scriptures, whether you are a Christian or not. I encourage you to consider these things to be things that are deep rooted truths that you can use as pragmatic solutions to transform your life as well. It doesn't matter to me what you believe or who is listening. You are all welcome. But I would encourage you to take the scriptures and the truth behind them and to begin to apply them to your life and watch them transform your soul and your mind. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Conform, right? This idea of conforming, this idea that something on the outside has a remote control to our brain. The difference is with transformation we are holding the remote. I was watching this show with my kids the other day. It was on the Disney channel and it was supposed to be Disney movies in real life. And they took the movie inside out and they began to make this experience this experience in Washington Square, New York City. And they put this huge remote. I am telling you, it was like a 10 foot by 8 foot remote on a stand just in the middle of Washington Square Park. And you watched as a hidden video camera saw different people walking up and trying to play with it and see what it does. And eventually you saw that there was a couple standing in front of you that were having this huge argument. And when when the people on the remote would push the different buttons, they would notice that the couple began to shift their energy and emotions in the same direction that the remote told them to. So the people were like, this is not real. This is crazy. Are we really controlling this couple? And sure enough, they were. The couple would be arguing furiously. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, no, no. Let's push the happy button and see what happens. And then the couple would be happy and in love. It would go from, I can't believe you brought me here. This is my birthday. I don't want to spend my birthday at this park. Then the happy button is pushed and they go, oh my gosh, this park is beautiful. What a romantic experience. Thank you for taking me here. And the people who were on the remote wanted to see if it was real or not. So they just kept pushing every emotion as quickly as they could to see if it was really controlling the couple. 
They pushed the button of disgust and sadness. The people went from throwing up to crying and the emotions continued to shift. And it made me think, my goodness, what if we had the same power over our brains? And the Bible says we do. It says we do. It says that most of us essentially live conforming our minds to whatever the situation around us says or warrants or kind of how we react to it. But we have the ability to be proactive and transform our minds. We have the ability to own that remote ourselves. And knowing this is okay, but it's hard because I know it, but how do I do it? And what does that mean? I want to read a couple more scriptures to you that I think will really help. And then we're going to get into the how. Romans 8, 5 through 8 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the scripture set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. This essentially to me says that when our minds are set on the things that are seen, on the things that feel like they're overwhelming, that we cannot control them, that there's no hope, that is our flesh. Our flesh tells us there's nothing good to believe for. Our flesh tells us that there is no good that can come out of this situation. Our flesh tells us to sum up and judge every person who comes in front of us because they probably did this or said this or voted that way. That is our flesh because it feels right in the moment and it's natural to us. It is our reactor. But we can set our minds on things that are unseen, things that are true and good and pure and lovely and hopeful, and we possibly could lead people and make a difference in this world in that direction if we hold that hope so strongly ourselves. Psalms 16.9 says, Therefore your heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. If you are anything like I was, this sounds so foreign. Glad, rejoicing, hope, resting. I was filled with so much anxiety and anger and stress and overwhelm and frustration that my Psalm 16.9 might have sounded more like this. Therefore, my heart is grieving, is depressed, is hurting, is frustrated, is walled off, is living small. And my glory is broken. My glory is heart-wrenching. My glory is lost. My flesh also will rest in anger and grief and frustration. And to be honest, Hatred probably was seeping in somewhere in the midst of all of that. If it is possible to own the remote for your own mind, if it is possible to have a heart that is glad, 
rejoicing and resting in hope, then I want that. But how? As I mentioned to you, I went to this transformational leadership training and I learned some concepts that I would love to share with you. These are some things that I personally was transformed by. Number one, get real with where you're at. John 8.32 says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So many of us live in a reality that we're not truthful with ourselves. We don't even know how draining we are on everyone around us. You know, it's like the adage where that people always say, where if you're going somewhere, you've got to plug in where you're at on the GPS. If you don't, the GPS doesn't know how to get you there. And we so often are trying to get somewhere that, to be honest, we don't even know how to articulate where. And we don't even know where we're at because we haven't been truthful. We have been lost and deceiving of not only everyone else, but really ourselves. We have deceived ourselves the most. And here is what I want to offer you as practical wisdom and advice today. If you are a leader and you are feeling overwhelmed by anger, frustration, anxiety, stress, I would encourage you to ask for feedback. Feedback is neutral. Good feedback, bad feedback is all good feedback. Because when you learn how others are experiencing you, you have the opportunity to change. You have the opportunity to make a difference. If you do not know, you cannot change. So all feedback is good feedback. It's just like program evaluation. It's just like organizational culture surveys. Good feedback, bad feedback is good feedback. And if you're only getting good feedback, you've probably trained people well enough to lie in front of your face, right? People will only say what they know you can handle, which is not a statement about their truthfulness. It is more often a statement about our ability to react and handle things in humility, authenticity, and vulnerability. So ask people for feedback. Go up to your spouse. Go up to your staff. Maybe it is a survey. <laughs> I, I don't think you should give a survey to your spouse, but maybe your staff. But go up to your spouse. Say, I would like for you to share with me how you experience me. Now, if you have been angry a lot, if you have been snappy, if you have been snippy, if you haven't been humble or vulnerable, most likely you're not going to get honest feedback. So you might need to approach it with a disclaimer. Honey, I know in the past I haven't handled myself well. And when you've given me feedback, I haven't responded in grace and kindness. And sometimes, most often, I haven't changed or heard you. And I'm sorry, but I'm really trying to see things differently right now. And I would really appreciate your honest feedback. And I promise you, I will not react in a way that will make you afraid, that will make you fearful of being honest with me. I will receive your feedback, all of it good and bad, and I will use it to grow. And watch the authenticity come. And in that moment, some of those things will feel like a stab in the gut. Somebody might tell you, you're hiding behind a mask. You're hiding behind your education. You're arrogant you're angry, you're walled off, you're exhausting. Your fear is overwhelming and draining. You shut people down before you listen to them. My experience of you 
is that you are so frustrated, your kids don't even want to be around you. Wow. This is a lot and it's hard and it can be hurtful and it can feel like, why did I ever ask for feedback? But I encourage you just to pause. If you didn't hear that and people were going around experiencing that all the time, How detrimental would that be to your relationships in the long run? What a blessing and a gift it is to you to know the truth. The truth will set you free. Now, if for some reason you can't do that practical step of getting someone to give you honest, authentic feedback, here is another option. While not as great, it can suit a specific, I don't know, maybe 80% of the goal here. (laughs) Get a small notebook and for one week, write down every single emotion you have throughout the day when you have it, not after you have it, not at the end of the day, pull it out all throughout the day, write every emotion. And if you're not feeling anything, write feeling numb, don't feel anything. If you've experienced something tragic and you don't feel anything, you need to write that. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. As soon as the mood changes, you need to write it down. If you felt angry all day, write it down all day long. Then at the end of the week, I want you to open up and read out loud every single emotion. Maybe with a spouse, maybe with someone who's close to you, a best friend, and ask, I have had these emotions. Is this how you experience me? And share them out loud. Take a name. A name of someone who frustrates you, who bothers you more than anyone else. Write it on a sticky note and then slap that sticky note right on that list of emotions and ask yourself, could I hang out with Bob, Joe, Larry, Sally, Sandra? (laughs) Could I hang out with this person with all of these emotions all day, every day for a full week? Would they provide me with hope? energy, life, vision, leadership, or would they be draining? Would they exhaust me? Would I leave a little less aware, a little less vulnerable, a little more depleted? Get feedback. Get feedback You think that people don't know the things you're feeling, but most people, even if they've never even known you, if they look into your eyes long enough, they can see all the things you're hiding. You think that nobody knows and they all know and they can all read you. Number one, get real with where you're at. Number two, commit to a reset. First Kings 8.61 says, and may your hearts be fully committed to the Lord your God to live by his decrees and obey his commands as at this time. Be fully committed. When Michael Phelps When Simone Biles, when Blake Leeper, when all these people with gold medals first began to dream their dream, they sat in front of the black and white television. Okay, that's my story. I had a black and white television that was like all snowy. It was like the big box that you watch (laughs) when you buy a TV just to watch the Olympics when you're a kid. I'm imagining them doing the same thing as I did. So they're watching and they're going, that is what I want for my life. I want a gold medal. I want to stand there 
And I want to hold that gold medal and know that I was the fastest person on this earth. Do you think they had a strategy? No. Do you think they knew the mechanism? No. Do you think they know how much they needed to run or what they needed to eat or what their nutritional plan should be or what coach they needed to get or what team they needed to be on or what uh, plan they needed to do? No. They didn't know that. They were kids with 100% intention, 100% committed to the vision that they had. And when they got older and they faced obstacles or they didn't know the route or they didn't know the mechanism or they didn't know the plan or the nutritional supplements or who the coach should be or what the team should be, what happened? Their commitment made them find it. 100% commitment, 100% intention is the only thing that will get you to the other side. So if you are looking at your life and you're going, I am overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed. I am shaky. I am frustrated. I am angry. I'm walling myself off to family and friends. My life, my commitments, my habits are changing. I'm closing off. I'm being reclusive. I'm isolating even more because I just don't trust people anymore. I don't know if I want to be in this game of leadership anymore or pastoring a church or leading a nonprofit. I don't know. Maybe I'll just move, right? I'll run away from it all. If you are there, you have to commit. You have to commit to a mindset reset. And you might not know what that looks like. You might not have a strategy. You might not have a mechanism. You might not know what to do, but you do know that it's possible, right? Psalm 16 Nine said, therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. You know, it's real. So get the gold medal mindset, have the commitment. Second Timothy four, seven says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This, this friends is all about mindset. It says, I fought the good fight. Why? Because you can't finish the race without fighting a fight. It's not easy. It's not obstacle-free. It says, I have kept the faith. It means I have kept the commitment. I, ke- I didn't give up. It was 100% intention. So number one, get real with where you're at. Number two, commit to a reset, a full commitment, because the next steps are going to be hard. Number three, feel the pain. John 16.22 says, so with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Feel the pain. If you're like me, you're going, duh, this whole thing is about pain. (laughs) Shiloh, why are you telling me to feel the pain? And you're sitting here going, the whole reason I need a mindset reset is because I'm feeling too much pain. But I'm going to argue that being in a place of anger all the time doesn't necessarily mean you're feeling the pain. In fact, it might mean that you're bottling the pain and that the only thing you're really feeling is the residual outcome of the anger, what it's doing to your body and how it's seeping out your pores. I'm going to give you an example. Have you ever heard of the French woman's diet This idea that in France, they're thin and fit because they don't eat like Americans. In America, we have diets and we say, okay, eat these 
cardboard tasting chocolate cookies um, in order to have reduced fat and be able to eat more. So instead of eating a cookie, we eat five cookies and they taste like cardboard and they taste like crap. And then we gain weight from all this like fake chemicals and carbohydrates and fake sugars and things like that. The French woman, when she craves a bit of chocolate, she has a beautiful, dark chocolate, decadent, rich piece of chocolate, small, dainty, petite, and it is filling because of how rich it is. And I believe this is what we do with our emotions. We bottle our emotions and it is like eating cardboard chocolate all day long. We think we're feeling, but in fact, we're not at all. What I'm asking you to do is do like the French women do, to eat the decadent, dark, rich piece of chocolate, to feel the pain so much to where you don't just say, I've heard it before, I've seen it before, and you push it down, you become more mature, you become more professional, you learn how to deal, you become more adult. This is not helping us as leaders. We absolutely have to face the emotions deep down because they are being internalized inside our bodies and we don't even know it. We have to learn to stop watering them down and distracting from our true emotions. Stop growing up for a minute. Allow yourself to dig through the depth of your pain, to get it out, to cry a good cry, to scream, to yell, to write a nasty letter, then to throw it away. All that trauma lives in you. Unless you feel it out, making space for the joy, contentment, confidence, and courage. I dare you. Next time you see a news article, next time you watch a news report, next time someone that you love says something so heart-wrenching and unexpected on social media, instead of just blocking, deleting, and turning them off, instead of just pretending like it doesn't hurt, go in a closet, lock yourself in there, cry, weep, scream into a pillow, say all the things you want to say to them address them, talk as if they're sitting there, get it out, do it so much to where you are exhausted and ready to get up and be energized. Get it out. Stop watering it down. When you write a letter, definitely throw it away. (laughs) When you scream, don't scream at them, scream into a pillow. When you say the things you really want to say, do it for your healing In a private and safe space, it doesn't help anybody if you explode on other people. And to be honest, if you don't start eating the dark, rich chocolate in life, in emotions, if you continue to eat the cardboard, you will explode on someone. And that will be something that will be hard to turn around. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I don't believe that we're allowing ourselves to get crushed in spirit enough. We absolutely have to get to a place of desperation. If we continue to water down our feelings, our emotions, our fears, our frustrations, our sadness, we will end up in spaces and places we don't intend. We will end up in broken relationships. We will end up pouring our emotions into addictions and things that are not good for us. We will end up putting our own soul care and self-care on the back burner. 
We absolutely have to get to a place to where we're feeling and we're feeling deeply like the French women do. Feel like the French women eat. That should be our new slogan. We're going to make a t-shirt. Number four, expect the vision. Hebrews 11, one says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Where are your eyes? Mine were on the things that were seen. Mine were so fixated on the traumas, the fears, but do we get up every day and think about all the things that are traumatizing to us? Do we get up every day and think about it every day, all day long? I would argue that we shouldn't because what I found in my own life is that I was, and it was killing me. It was killing me. I was a worse leader. I was a worse pastor. I was a worse friend. I was a worse mother. I was a worse wife. Because these things and these people and their oppressive power and the hatred began to own me. And I was no longer good and useful for the people that follow me. So yes, are we concerned? Yes. Is it real? Yes. Are we acknowledging the pain? Absolutely. But will we allow ourselves to be owned by it anymore? No. We're going to feel it out. We're going to weep it out. We're going to commit to a reset. We're going to acknowledge where we're at. And then we're going to expect the vision, a new vision. We have to have a vision that is so big and so real and so exciting for our lives that it gets us up in the morning and it gets us past all of the mayhem. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. If you are anything like me, which I think most of us are in the same place, we were seeing and are seeing only the things seen. It's so hard in today's day and age, in the difficult times, in the polarizing place, in the divisiveness, in the hatred, in the oppression, in the injustice, it is really hard to see the unseen. It is really hard to put our minds on a place and a vision that we see our world, our country, our nation, our people getting to. It's very hard and it's getting harder and harder and pretty soon people are going to start dropping out. Our leaders are going to start dropping out like flies. We're going to have more suicides. We're going to have more deaths. We're going to have more relational breakdowns. We're going to have more people moving to islands and not caring about anybody else other than their kids. And I'm not saying that last one's all that bad. I kind of might want to do that myself. But at the end of the day, this is not helping anyone. We will burn ourselves out if we don't start taking care of ourselves now. If our vision does not become one that is so beautiful rather than the giants that we're fighting, we will not make it. Our vision cannot just be that the giants we're fighting are not big anymore or that they're not winning. That cannot be it because the vision itself shows the giants. We have to have a vision that is so big that the giants become small. We have to have a vision that is so big that it overrides the giants and the giants are so tiny we can just step right over them. I'm asking us to pick our eyes up off of the scene and onto the unseen fixate our eyes on what is good, pure, and lovely, and then lead the people that we lead there. Because what we focus on gets bigger. and What we focus on owns us, right? I just want you guys to close your eyes for a minute. 
Imagine yourself writing a book, a mini book, not a full book, but a mini book about your life and its entirety in the past eight months. What would it say? What did your days start like? What was the middle of your day? What was the end of your day? What were the fears and the emotions? How did you start processing things? What were your routines at the beginning of the eight months and then all the way into the end of the eight months? And now, now we only got a few months before the end of the year. 2020 is two months before closing. Would anyone read your book? Would anyone care about what is in those pages? Is it interesting enough? Is it powerful enough? Did you claim something? Did you have adventure? Did you grasp a new vision? Did you grasp a new group of people that need a leader? What did you do to change the course of history in 2020? And if you're like me, the book probably is pretty boring. It probably is about a lot of my failures. It's probably a lot about my anger It's probably a lot about being owned by the people and the situations that are being thrown at me. It's probably a lot about being reactive rather than self-reflective and proactive. It's probably a lot about fear and adjusting to the things of this world rather than owning and being responsible and taking leadership of my own life. It's probably a lot about excuses and what people have done to me rather than what I was able to do to the world. And now I want to give you homework. I want to tell you to go into this week and write what you want for your life. I know for me, even before this leadership training, I had a friend ask me, Shiloh, what do you want with your life? And I said, I don't want anything. I love my life. I love my church. I love my work. I love my family. Like I'm in such a good place. And she's like, but what do you want? And I'm like, what do you mean? What do I want? She's like, everybody wants something like what's next for you. And I'm like, nothing. I don't want anything. I'm just happy and content and dot, dot, dot complacent. What do you want? Have you turned off your desires? Have you turned off your wants just like I did? Like, I didn't even know how to answer that question. If you are fully living, you are growing. You are moving. Your vision gets bigger. You're never sitting still. Even if you've reached your dreams and got to where you always thought you wanted to be, there is more. Because the moment you stop dreaming and envisioning and living for bigger, you're dying. You're dying. Your homework this week is to write what you want for your life. Everything from big things to who you want to be, what values do you want to embody, to what you wish your life would ideally look like. What would a perfect day in the life of Shiloh look like? How would your character take shape? What would your kids remember about you? What would your staff say was your legacy? And then I want you to figure out what you want. Everything, everything from your big dreams to your little dreams, everything from changing the world and starting your nonprofit all the way to painting a picture that actually looks like what you want it to look like, right? Dream big, get excited. Who do you want to help? How do you want to help yourself? 
Do you want to run that marathon? Where is God in all of this? What do you want your relationship with God to look like? This is what you need to focus on. This is what gets you up in the morning. If your dream after you write all this still doesn't make you excited to wake up in the morning, that means your dream is too small. Make it bigger. Make it stretchier. Make it bolder. Make it more courageous. Make it force you have to move past your fears. It's got to be unseen. It can't be anything you've ever seen in the history of your life. It's got to get you through the crap, especially through these next seasons. Mindset reset. How cool would it be if that big, huge remote in the center of Washington Square was really owned by us? And I could literally, with a flip of a switch, go from feeling frustrated, angry, overwhelmed to seeing the vision and enrolling myself in my vision for the life that God has for me and those around me. How cool would it be if I didn't feel owned by those emotions, oppressed by those emotions, that my mind was set and reset? First, we have to get real with where we are at. Second, we have to commit to a reset, 100% intention. And third, we have to feel the pain like a French woman eats her chocolate. And fourth, we have to expect the vision so much to where it wakes us up in the morning with excitement. This is how we reset. This is how we do a mindset reset. There is no other way. This is how we have transformation. I would just encourage you guys today. I know this year has been so hard and so long. And I will say this, my podcast out of all my episodes, my soul care podcast is the least listened to. Isn't that crazy that we as human beings think that we, and as nonprofit leaders and change and change makers, that we feel like we can lead positive change in the world and neglect ourselves in the process. Like you can lead the most beautiful change on this planet, but if you don't care for your soul and practice soul care, your good will die because the leader that you are grooming to lead and own that change in the long run is not sustainable. We absolutely as leaders have to get to a place for the sake of others that we are taking care of our own mind soul, and body. It has to be essential. It has to be something that we live and die for. I have seen too many people bite the dust. I have seen, what is that? Another one bites the dust. You know, the leaders drop in like flies. Don't be one of them. Own your mind, transform it rather than be conformed. It is the first step. It is the first step. And the cool part is, especially if you're a Christian, is you can allow the Spirit of God to come into your life and control you in that way. And He does, and He will, and He can make these things a lot easier than they seem. Thank you guys for sharing this with me today. This has been something that has transformed my life in the last two weeks, and I have not been able to keep it quiet. I'm just so excited to share with you what has changed my life, and I hope it changes yours. If you 
have loved this podcast. If you have been like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize what this was about, but it has legit changed my life. I'm going to practice this. I want to live this. I want to encourage you to share this with a friend. Please put it on your social media. Let someone know because we can change lives, right? And why would we want to keep that to ourselves? Why would we want to empower only ourselves? Let's share this with someone. And if you do, and if you loved it, please give us a review, write a little something about why you like this podcast and how it's changed your life and make sure to share with someone. Like I said before, guys, I am so excited to do this journey with you and I cannot wait for the next episodes that we are going to bring to you. You are a blessing. I want to serve you. I want to help you. I want to empower you. And I encourage you to get connected. We have a Facebook group called practice good. Jump in there get connected, start communicating with other leaders who are looking for these things and doing the same things in their life. You will not regret it. We also have a Facebook page called Practice Good. I encourage you to check that out as well. And if you have comments, you can always reach me at Shiloh Kashima on Facebook. I would love to connect with you. If you have ideas for the podcast, if you have topics you want me to cover, if you would like to chat some more, if you're looking for private coaching, I can also help you out as well. Feel free to contact me on the Practice Good group. Ask any questions you want, and I would be happy to help you. Remember, make change and live well. I can't wait to talk to you guys again.